you begin to see, okay, there's some things I'm not facing in my life that are robbing me of the real stuff, the real community, the real joy, the real holistic well-being of, of all these these um, eight cylinders in our life. If, if one of them's out of order, it, it's, it's, a, it's a calling card. It's God's megaphone calling to us saying like, okay, there's, 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 it's not just the food is out of order, the fitness is out of order, the finances is out of order, the friendship's out of order. It's th that those things are signals uh, to something deeper going on in the heart. Researchers at Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center report six major contributing factors to wellness, compassion, friendship, gratitude, forgiveness, exercise, and mindfulness. Wellness is a huge part of how we evaluate ourselves. How happy are we? How healthy do we feel? How are the relationships in our lives? Many professionals and friends want to tell us what wellness should look like, but what does the Bible say? This week, Gary Wilkerson discusses how God designed us to need certain things in order to be healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. While this may seem like an overwhelming topic, God lays out fairly simple guidelines in the Bible for his children to follow. Now here's our host, Bob Dittmer. Well, welcome to another episode of the Gary Wilkerson Podcast, and uh, we're doing a part two of our program this week, and we're talking about well-being. Started this conversation last week about uh, what is well-being, how do we become unhappy with uh, our state of being. And uh, Gary, you talked about a lot of things that kind of tear us down. And, and uh, one of the things you mentioned was uh, we often build what's important to us on sand rather than on a hard surface on things that are truly important. So the question is, how do we make that transition from building on the wrong sources to building on the right ones? It's a, it's a journey. Um, and you got to enjoy the journey. You, you can't... Um so I, I preached a sermon a couple months ago, and uh, I was talking about um, dealing with disappointment. <clears throat> and I talked to a pastor who, who was one of the most successful pastors I've ever met, as far as you know, notoriety and and visibility. <clears throat> and he said, "Man, I'm so disappointed with myself." And I went, "You are? I said, what? You know, is there any hope for the rest of us? If you're, you've had this kind of accolades and and great external successes, and yet you're disappointed with yourself and." And, and, and it was a reality, and, and I, so I went away from that meeting just thinking, you know, we we <clears throat> we are disappointed with ourselves, and that's and and in, in order to enjoy the journey that I'm talking about, if you're disappointed with yourself, that's a soul wound. You do do, do you change that overnight? No. And this may sound really strange, but what you have to do is real. Uh, and I, I came to the realization. I wanted to tell him this. You know how sometimes you, after somebody leaves, you come up with a really good word to say. And and I wanted to tell him like, you know, it, it's kind of it's it's okay to be a little bit disappointed with yourself. You know, it's like the battle was raging within him because he was so frustrated that he was just that God had done so much good things in his life and he was still disappointed with himself. And I wanted to tell him later, it's like it's okay to be disappointed with yourself. You know, that's we're kind of disappointing people. We we make mistakes and we're failures. To almost like to take, to not be disappointed that you're disappointed, to, to realize that's a part of life. You're going to, uh, otherwise you're going to live a perfectionist life. Like, oh, I can never fail. I can never stumble. Uh, you know, the Bible says a righteous man stumbles seven times and gets back up. It doesn't say he never stumbles. And so the perfectionist, though, says, I'll never stumble. If I do, I'm a failure. And uh, no, you're not a failure unless you stay down. And so, you know, I wanted to tell this pastor, and I want to tell myself, um, you know, the, probably the rest of my life, there's going to be certain things I'm disappointed with. Uh, I'll come home and, you know, one of my goals is to really be present to my wife, not just come home and sit at a meal and check my emails or whatever, you know, text, you know, just to, to look her in the eye and, and be present to her and talk to her. And some nights I come home and, 
And then by the time I get to bed, I was like, oh, we didn't do that at all. And I'll be, oh, I'm disappointed. And, and what I realized is that disappointment actually is not necessarily an evil thing all the time. To live in disappointment would be, but to face it and, and almost to incorporate it into our soul, our personality is like, this is a reality of life. And instead of being so distraught and in angst over having some disappointment in life, to realize it's, that's a part of who I am and let it drive me towards true success. Okay, so if I'm disappointed, what am I disappointed in? Um, the uh, amount of people that came to church on Sunday or didn't come to church? Or, or am I disappointed in that I didn't really love well. Well, one of those disappointments is really good to have, yeah. and so so and that's and that goes what you're saying. It's it's not a short-term fix. It's a lifetime, and it's a reoccurring thing too. You probably notice that as well. Like where you, I think all of us have, um, you you feel like you were healed and delivered and set free, and now you're you're gonna always come home, and every night you're gonna have this great conversation with your wife, and just let her know how much you love her, and and you think you've. Won, you know, you won the victory, but you kind of go back to your old ways, and you you kind of have to, to to revisit the same thing. So so I'm constantly revisiting the sense of affirmation that I feel like I need from outside uh, sources of validation. I, I'm constantly because that's that's just my I have this bent in me that this it's you know the, it's the Paul calls it the flesh. You know, part of my flesh is having to deal with the wound of inside of me that feels like you know my father was so successful. And I have to be successful like that. So he, you know, he preached to hundreds of thousands. So you know, if I'm only preaching to thousands, then I'm not. You know, and I just have to constantly lay that before the Lord and saying, "That's the false construct. I'm not building my life on that. I'm building my life on. <clears throat> uh, you've given me a depth. Uh, you've given me a, a peace. Uh, you've given me a word for people. And just just live out of that. And there's so much. But it's a constant, lifelong thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking about uh, the relational aspect of well-being and how we we need that. Uh, but there's a, a downside to that, and that is you're dealing with people who are also fallen, as you just pointed out. So mm. what do we do with that? We're hoping to get our well-being from people, but people will disappoint us, and they may be difficult at the same time. How, do yeah. we, how does that weigh in? Yeah. Um, well-being is, is relational love, intimacy, connection with people. You, 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 can't get, you cannot have well-being on your own. The problem with that, unless you deal with some of these stuff we're talking about today, the wounds, the external measures of validation, the false construct, the, the living for your selfish ambition to, to get success so you feel good about yourself, to, to heal your own wounds. If you're living that way, say, say this is you, this is your soul, and, 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 it's, and it's wrapped up in all of this stuff of this false construct, how is that person going to relate to other people? Not very well. And so they're, they're, you can go to church and hear a great series on community, but if inside the soul is anger and angst and unforgiveness, selfish ambition, bitterness, jealousy against everybody else, that's, that's who that person is. Teach them all that you want about principles of community, of how to relate well, how to have a happy marriage, how to treat your kids. That's, that wounded soul, that broken person is not going to be able to fit in community because normally those that that wounded soul, the, that broken-hearted person, has put up all kinds of barriers around them. I'm um, I was wounded as a child. You're never going to hurt me again. Um, my my first wife left me. I'm never going to get close to anybody ever again. You know, and so there, we put up these barriers around us. Therefore, all the instruction we read the Bible about. Uh, there's 52 at least at least 52 there might be more but that i've recorded 52 one another's in scriptures love one another care for one another cherish one another give to one another uh, uh, keep uh, put others above yourself is one another's 
there's 52, to that wounded soul who's living on in the wrong ways to get validation, they're going to be um, they're they're going to be unable to really build true community. Um, and even in a marriage, um, my professor when I was studying uh, biblical counseling at Colorado Christian University, Larry Crabb, uh, he told he said that. Um, Two unhealthy people in a marriage are like uh, two ticks with no dog. Isn't that great? You know, it's just like sucking life out of out of each other. Or they can find there's no there's no source of life. And so, so I think a real well being, when it comes to relational well being, okay. So well being requires community, but if you're so unhealthy, you actually can't have good community. So well being in community starts with your own soul care, uh, looking at your own heart and saying, okay. Holy Spirit, this um, this is this drive in me for applause is not love. It's the opposite of love, and so I go through that process we talked about earlier, and I come out the other side. All of a sudden, the soul is is enlarged. You know, it's kind of like um, um, what was the Christmas uh, one of uh, the Grinch? You know, his heart gets it's bigger. Bigger, yeah. it gets bigger, and so that you know, he went through a change. He realized he was alone, mm-hmm. and so the, these this this sense of of um, you know, you can't get to community unless you deal with some of your own stuff first. You've mentioned community quite a bit. How does community help us change? Yeah. So, so this is this is the catch-22. You have to change in order to have well-being in community, but you need well you need community to change too. And so, um, there has to be some measure of openness. Uh, otherwise, you're you know, I was just been studying a little bit this week on nar- narcissism. A narcissism can't love other people because always they they only love themselves. So Jesus says, "Love others as you love yourself." Well, a narcissist doesn't love others; only loves himself. But some Christians only love others, but they don't love themselves. They're the opposite of a narcissist. Um, they, they they have no soul strength in themselves. So they they <clears throat> so that that you know that that's a problem in itself. But we need we need to be getting um, to the place where we can operate in community with other people and so that that requires that soul care but then we also need once we get engaged a little bit then we need to let people in so so the barriers go down um, you let people in again it's almost the it's almost like the detox of isolation of risking okay I, I know I've had some barriers here I know I'm self-protecting um, one, one quick measure of how, how do I know if self-protecting when you're in the company of other people are you very Self-aware of what you're thinking, saying, doing. Are you are you are you in a relationship? Are you aware you're of, of uh, you're, you're trying to have a relationship? Does that, does that make sense? And you're on stage. You're on a stage, yeah. and you're feeling it. You're feeling yeah. like, okay, I'm talking to this person, but I'm wondering about how am I coming off? How do yeah, I how am I coming off? Yeah. How, are we are we connecting? I'm not. Yeah. Where when you're connecting, you don't even know you are. You just you're in it. You're ah, yeah. this is working. Yeah. You know, you're not even saying it's working because you just not, you're not even thinking about it. You're just you're just relating, and so. Once you, so you have to go through that pain of saying, okay, you know, I have to, to some degree, take this mask off, and I need that other person to help me do that. And so, uh, you know, community, you know, this this proves how true this is. Uh, you get in a bad community, um, you know, even a, a good heart gets in and surrounds themselves with with all kinds of bad friends and and um, chaos and and disorder. 
that's going to seep into that person's heart. So the, the, you know, I think in America we have this individualistic mentality is like, I'll fix myself, I'll grow myself, uh, I'll spirit, soul, and body, as Thessalonians says. I, I can take care of all three of those. I can go to the gym, I can eat well, I can uh, uh, wheel myself to success, and I can have good emotions just by uh, reading books about it and stuff like that. Well, there's good in that, but it's not sufficient because we were, we were built – um, you said earlier, you know, um, the, the God-shaped hole in our heart. Well, I think there's also a person-shaped hole in our heart. There's, um, there, there's a sense of needing other people. The, the famous book written in, um, I think, the 1700s, maybe in the 1600s, um, <clears throat> and it talked about practicing the presence of God. I don't know, you ever heard of that title? Mm, no. It's called Practicing the Presence of God. It's a classic. And... Um, and I haven't written it yet, but one of these days I want to write a, write a book, practicing the presence of people, hmm. uh, because you know we we want the the we want this relationship horizontally, but we want the vertical as well. We want to practice the presence of God. That's the spirit, but the soul and the body needs people around it too. And so, so you so <clears throat> if we truly believe that bad company corrupts good morals, as Proverbs says, then we also would believe that good company has a good impact on us. And so, although we've been talking about today, if somebody needs a strategy, saying okay. okay how do I get out of this external measure of validation that comes from the woundedness of my soul? And how do I get healed and then put myself in this, this place? I don't think you can do that alone. I really think you need, you need people around you. We talked about in this podcast before about needing five good friends where you can actually say it's, it's one, two, three, name them as quickly as you would, you know, being able to count to five. And, and if you can't do that, if you have to think like, well, I got this guy and that family. And you know, if, if you start hesitating, it's a sign there's not that real deep connection with those people. And if you don't have f- at least five good friends, then you're missing something. And, and, I, and I've also heard it said that, and I believe this to be so true, that um, like you, Bob, if you, if you were to introduce me to your five closest friends and I, and I didn't know you, I didn't know about your heart, your character, your nature, you just introduced me to your five closest friends, Without even meeting you, I could tell you what you're like, uh, because that you, you, we there's a, a morphing that goes on, and that that's a biblical word, metamorphosis, mm-hmm. uh, transformation. That's when the Bible says the word transformation. It's it's the Greek word meta from morph, metamorphosis, and so that that, that change, um, you know, the, the the worm changes into the the caterpillar changes into butterfly all in itself, but we don't. God didn't create us that way. There's a there's a community shape hole in our heart as well as a God shaped one. And, and, and some Christians try to just do it all. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get along with God. I'm going to be – I've even heard sermons on that that is like a, a true prophet is a man who's going to have to walk alone. Hmm. Like, oh, please, no. You know, that would be awful. And, you know, I just touched on it real briefly. Can I share? Sure. Uh, you know, I touched on it briefly in one of our other podcasts. Just, and I, but I've dug deeper into it is the story of Jonah. And, and it's just blown me away because, you know, Jonah it was, was – it was unlike all the other biblical characters that that are uh, the Hebrew says these were written for an example to us, and so you've got from the beginning you got Adam and Eve and their sons and daughters, and then you've got you've got Moses who's with Aaron and and his sister and and the elders, and you've got you got uh, you got David who had you know was it three hundred mighty men who surrounded him, and you had Jonathan. Jonathan. The whole story is is is, is based on community. Then you get Jonah, and all of a sudden it starts off, He's. it doesn't say he's from this place or he's the son of this person. It's just this is Jonah. And then he, the one person he seems to be in contact with is God. He runs from God, so then he's alone. Then he gets thrown into the whale, 
uh, or the big fish, mm-hmm. and he's even more alone. Now he's in the, and I think the story, we, I think we miss part of the story, and, and, and to a large degree, this, this, the story is told accurately in churches and in sermons that this is a story of disobedience and the results of disobedience, not obeying God for your destiny. You were called to touch Nineveh, and you didn't, so you're going to get, you know, you're going to get thrown into the whale. I have a little bit of a different take on it. Is the, as you run from God and people, you run from community, from relationship, from intimacy. As you run, you end up in deeper depths. So, so he went from being alone with God, being alone without God, being alone from everybody in the belly of a whale. Life gets worse and worse and worse. The and then the plant. Isolates. And even the plant got taken away. Even the plant got taken away. <laughs> At the end of it, he just he had nothing left. And so what, what was the result of his being alone? He was critical. He was angry. Uh, when when Nineveh repented, he, he got mad at God. I knew they'd repent. Uh, he even didn't go into Nineveh when they were repenting. You know, most prophets, when a people are going to repent, he's going to be in there saying, praise God, you heard the message. You know, the word of God prevailed. Thank the Lord. Let's give Jehovah praise. He's up on a hill, uh, where, where, again, alone. Yeah. And It's hard to have he, compassion when you're not around people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You had, uh, when we were talking about this topic and kind of preparing for it, you made a statement. You said the two great needs of man are impact and community. Mm-hmm. What's the impact? We've been explaining community. What's the impact side? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, and they're they're much closer than, than than we think. You know, sometimes I think we think those two are two totally separate things. Like I have to have community, so I'll have you know I'll have some dinner with some friends and go to church on Sunday. But my real life is built on impact, so I want to build uh, my own kingdom. Mm-hmm. Well. True impact is community. It's 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 nobody's impacted unless they're loved, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And so, so the one breeds the other. The one builds. The one is the root, and the other is the fruit. And so, and we've got it kind of backwards. We spend our whole life trying to have impact. Um, and again, you know, there, there are people that <clears throat> they're 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 not. Say say, say I want you know I've written some books. Say I want to write another book. And, and my motive is impact. I really want to have impact on people's lives. That's a good motive. It's, it's good. But what if my motive is love? Then I think I'll write a better book, have a better message, and I'll have a greater impact. Mm-hmm. And so the, the two are important, and we're built for both. We're, significance is another way of saying impact. Mm-hmm. Um, we, to, to want to be significant is not an external measure of validation and sinfully relation, relational sinful. Uh, wanting to be significant is a God-given you know, that's we notice that, right? It's mm-hmm. it's in our heart. It's in our there, with without that, we probably wouldn't want to get out of bed in the morning. So, we want to be significant, but the significance comes out of love, which which is which is loving others as you love yourself. And so those those two things have to go hand in hand. You, a lot of Christians have problems with this concept of loving yourself. You know, it sounds psychobabble. Uh, you know, ah, I don't need to love myself. I just need to love God and love others and, you know, pull up my spiritual bootstraps. And no, you have to love yourself. There has to be a self-acceptance. There has to be, you can't, you can't, uh, otherwise, um, without that love, you were built to be, to love and to be loved. And without that, then you're going to strive for something else to fill that hole, that gap mm-hmm. in your heart. And you'll fill it with a false sense of impact, um, money, fame, rather than true impact, which is being a part of someone's life story of transformation, being present to somebody or a group of people in such a way, giving your gift in such a way that is given through love. You know, so, so I hope what we do here, Bob, and at this table is, 
is manifest itself through love. You know, if 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 we're just doing this for impact, like we want to reach a lot of people and and you know whatever, then then, then people are going to know that, and it's not going to touch their life. If we're if what we're sitting at this table doing is saying, man, we want to love with the love of God. You know, I love you with the love of the Lord, as the old song says. Mm-hmm. That there, there's there's some um, there's some depth to that that doesn't come just through having intelligence or knowledgeable about um, you know there's there's thousands and thousands of resources that can give us knowledge but people are are not hungry just for knowledge they're hungry for love to be loved uh, to be to be a part of something bigger than themselves to be a part of a world that is in community but also then has has impact well, God placed us all here for a purpose, right? So Absolutely. there's our impact. We're figuring out what that purpose is so that yeah. we can have the impact that he wants us to have, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and, but we can't figure out that purpose if the, 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 the wounded soul, <clears throat> a wounded soul can't find its right purpose. It will find a methodology to, um, <clears throat> to compensate for that wound. So, so feel, I feel insignificant, I'm going to do something to be significant rather than I, f- I feel love, so I'm going to share love. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different worldview. And so, so yeah, it, it really is imp- important to, to go back to what we were talking about earlier in, in, in our talk. Mm-hmm. We, had, uh, we kind of started this program talking about or defining well-being, and we said it was uh, being comfortable, happy, and healthy. But, you know, there are Christians out there that don't have those things. But we read in the Bible they should be joyful anyway. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how does imp- well-being impact our joy, and are they even connected? Should joy be separate from what we think our well-being is, or have we so misplaced well-being that we've we don't know the definition of it, and right. we've given the wrong definition? Say, say those words again. Uh, uh, happy. It's uh, being comfortable, comfortable, happy, and healthy. If you looked up in a dictionary, that's how well, how they would describe well-being. Okay. Is that wrong? Yeah, <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, this time last year, I wasn't any of those three. Mm-hmm. I was very uncomfortable because I just had cancer surgery. I wasn't very healthy because I didn't know what my future held. And uh, what was the third one? Uh, comfortable, ha- uh, com- comfortable so, happy, and healthy. As a result of that, circumstantially, mm-hmm. I was not yeah. happy in the sense of happy uh, coming from the root word hap- uh, happenstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, 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 what is happening around you? Mm-hmm. It's external. It's an external measure. So, so I would say that the Christian worldview of well-being is probably different than the Oprah Winfrey, Tony Robbins kind Mm of um, sort of, you know, achieve your goals and you'll be happy. Um, And some of that can be good, but but I think it's missing the mark to a large degree because it's looking at those that that kind of definition is what what drives us to to that. And we have so many biblical accounts of people that didn't have Mm -hmm. too much of that going on. And yet they had like exactly what you said. They had a joy that that is deeper than the externals. Um, it wasn't based on the circumstances. They, um, they, 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 they were content whether their health looked good or not. And I'm all for good health, and I'm all for, you know, I believe in healing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I almost every week pray for somebody who's sick, and a good number of times I'm seeing some healing take place. Mm-hmm. And so I want that. Jesus wanted that. And so we're all, we, we advocate strongly for that. But I also realize that sometimes, you know, not everybody, not sometimes, you know, I know for sure, not everybody's healed when we pray for them. Mm-hmm. And so, can, can we maintain uh, this this well-being um, inside of us? Can we maintain that? I'd say it's it's harder to maintain your well-being when all your circumstances around you are difficult. But I'd also say that there's greater 
measures of well-being when the circumstances around you are difficult and you triumph anyway. Mm-hmm. You 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 thrive in the midst of a storm. That that is, you know, that's so. If everything's going well in my life and I feel inside a, a, a fairly fairly normal sense of well-being, you know, I'm, I'm happy about that. But if you know, if I have the cancer diagnosis, if I broke my back, if you know, whatever externals are going on, and there's something inside me that goes like, man, I feel I feel strange about how peaceful I am, and about how I wake up still kind of happy, and and or at least joyful, and 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 I have a, I have an unwavering purpose in life that that comes not out of my woundedness trying to compensate for it, but it comes out of my real calling. I mean, that's the good. That's the good news about dealing with all this externals uh, validation and dealing with our wounds. Is you finally find out who you are, mm. and and then you live out of your gift. You live out of your purpose, and and that brings this exactly what you're talking about. This contentment, this happiness, this peace that that passes understanding. And so we don't understand when somebody's doing well when they're suffering, uh, but 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 they are, they are heroes. They are true heroes, and they're not heroes because they became. You know, uh, wealthy. They're they're heroes because maybe they lost all their wealth and they still gave a testimony of the mm-hmm. goodness of God in their life. And they didn't give up. And they didn't get angry. And they didn't get bitter and uh, resentful towards God or even abandon Him, which some people do when they lose yeah. the externals. True well-being is a reflection of our relationship with a, with God, right? That's that yeah. should be how we define it. Yeah, yeah. If you have ultimately, I think that's the ultimate. I think there are secondary things mm-hmm. that God is in favor of yeah. that, that produce well-being. So <clears throat> I think I would just be a little cautious with that because I, I think I pursued that my whole life. Okay, if I just love Jesus and I just pray and I just seek his face, you know, just seek his face and everything will work out. And, and the Bible does make real clear sense mm-hmm. of that. Seek you first, first the kingdom of God. But it doesn't say seek you only the kingdom yeah, of God. All these it says seek you first yeah, the yeah. kingdom and these other things will be yeah. added unto you. So as if he's saying, I care about these other things. So these eight pillars that we have here in my ministry and at World Challenge, uh, and I won't go into all of them, but you know, it's faith is is key to that. It's it's the, it's it, it is the one that all the others are absorbed into. Um, but there's also finances, and if sometimes you can have a lot of faith, but if your finances are struggling, um, and and maybe not just because something outside of your control happened, but maybe you didn't spend wisely, well, all of a sudden that's a grief in your heart, and so. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still have a strong faith, but you have to deal with finances or your fitness or the way you eat. Food is another one of the, all these these eight cylinders. We start with the letter F, uh, the food, friendships that we're talking about today. Uh, if any one of those areas are missing, um, you know, you don't hear this preached a lot, but it will affect your faith. Mm-hmm. Your spiritual life with Jesus will be negatively impacted. So if my body is 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 weak and um, uh, and I'm feeding it all kinds of garbage. Then when I go to pray, it's going to be diminished. Um, you know, and so I, I think all of these things are well-being. You know, I, I define it as the integration of all these healthy practices under the banner of uh, of a relationship with Jesus is the core of it, core of it all. We seek His face, and these other things begin to speak to us. And um, again, it's but it's going through the detox of okay, so um, I. Uh, I'm overweight and I'm I'm eating poorly. Well, okay, that's the external. You're getting validated or you're getting your dopamine from from the food rush, from the comfort food. Well, you have to deal with, well, well, what's what's the wound that's causing that? And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gives the power 
to to say, okay, that you're healed. There's a healing that's taking place. So now you don't need the food. Now you don't need the other addictions. Now you don't need the external validations because you have the real stuff. And that's what I'm, we talked about earlier. That this this transition from sand to rock is is that that of of moving. And so it, it changes. This thing really changes your life. It changes your your. You know, it will change. You know, if anybody wants a life change, this is this is the the methodology uh, of of realizing. Okay, so if you want your life to change, you you want you're realizing there's something that's that I don't want, and and it should change. And then okay, then find out. Well, why do I want that? Well, it, it gives me a sense of of overcoming uh, this this pain and wound I have in me. Okay, so I detox from that. I face the pain, and then I then all of a sudden the flood of of something new comes in, and I've experienced that, and mm. I'm never, I'm never ever more joyful than when I experience the demolishing of what I was building that was false, and the building up then in its place. You only have a capacity for so much affection in your heart, uh, so much. Your heart is built with a certain capacity for affection. Uh, Paul even said that mm-hmm. when when he was asking the church to give to the famine, he said, you know, the, he was talked about their capacity for affection, mm-hmm. and so this this capacity, if it, if all the affection is going towards, uh, I have to make, I have to prove myself, I have to show myself worthy, I have to to earn people's love and favor and acceptance, th- then it's not going to go to. You know, there's no room for the true stuff. So so killing this, destroying that, uh, Jesus, almost like Jesus saying, like, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll build it up. It's 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 almost the same thing. This temple, you know, he's not just speaking of the Jerusalem temple. I think he's speaking of of this. You know, let let this false construct be destroyed, man. Just just let me, you know. We th- we think God's being harsh and mean, like he's tearing, like God, you're tearing our life apart. Like Saint Teresa of Avila said, God, if this is tr- if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few. Uh, the idea behind that is like this this is hard, and and God is is is. Uh, um, you know, I was done a, did a study last week, and I t- entitled it "The Necessity of Brutality." And and there's a, there comes a time in, in God's economy in our life, or God's dealing in our life, where He has to be brutal. Mm-hmm. And He says, you know, if you really want the life, if you're calling out for life, then I'm gonna have to be brutal. I'm gonna take the sword to your heart. I'm gonna take the surgeon's scalpel, and and man, it's gonna cut, and it's gonna hurt, and there's gonna be pain. Uh, and we are so. You know, I think why Americans 18, going back to our mm-hmm. early conversation, why is it so low in all these nations when we're so prosperous and so peaceful? It, it, it comes to that is, is we we almost refuse to 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 face any pain. We'll do anything and anesthetize it with all kind of medicate it, mm-hmm. entertain it out of our uh, system. Just just do anything, but you know that's why so people. I, I think social media is is one of the greatest addictions now because um, people are using it to. Uh, rather than face the pain, mm-hmm. and, and I see that, and I'm kind of a confessional type of guy, mm-hmm. so um, I, I find myself. I have a couple of, uh, games on my phone, and when I'm when life's not going too well, I find myself. <laughs> I play those games a whole lot more. My, and and again, yeah. how community helps that. My wife notices that she yeah. goes. She'll see me playing Angry Bird, and she'll go like, "Okay, why are you angry? What's you know, <laughs> why are you on? an Angry Bird? Yeah, you know, yeah. something going on." In, you know, and so community helps with that. But, yeah. but, but you know, we we just don't want to face pain, and that's mm-hmm. where that's where all these the, the food can be uh, a measure of cover. But you know, this this the social media is a tough one. My father's little rabbit trail here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father's last sermon he ever preached uh, was here in Colorado Springs at the Pikes Peak Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was getting near to 80 years old, and his his health was starting to go downhill. So he had to sit in a chair, 
and um, has, he, I wasn't sure he was going to be able to preach. It was at a pastor's conference. Um, he was getting weak um, physically and, and even mentally. He was you know, just, just starting to struggle a little bit. Mm. Um, and, his, and I thought, man, this, you know, this may be his last time uh, to preach. He even mentioned that to me. And he got up and only spoke for about 10, 15 minutes. And, and he spoke about this generation and the problem with social media. Mm. Uh, the phones and the iPhones and the games and the video mm-hmm. games and all that stuff. And he says, it, you know, basically what he was saying is this could be one of the greatest hindrances to the advancement of your life and the kingdom of God um, if we don't get this thing under control. Mm-hmm. Now, again, for me just saying that, somebody could be listening and go like, oh, I'm going to stop playing Angry Birds or I'm going to stop playing uh, video games. That's not going to do it. You know, that, that can, you detox from that, but then the wor- real work starts. Okay, why do I... Why am I driven towards that? Go without your phone for a week, and you'll start seeing like, what is it that, you know, why are my hands shaking? And uh, you know, and uh, you know, or don't eat that. You know, go on a diet for a week or fast for a couple of days, uh, you, and you begin to see, okay, there's some things I'm not facing in my life that are robbing me of the real stuff, the real community, the real joy, the real holistic well-being of of all these these um, eight cylinders in, in our life. If if one of them's out of order. It's it's a it's a calling card. It's God's megaphone calling to us, saying like, okay, there's there's there's. It's not just the food is out of order, the fitness is out of order, the finances is out of order, the friendships out of order. It's th- that those things are signals t- uh, to something deeper going on in the heart. Uh, it's it's the, the the tip of the iceberg is the thing we're saying. Oh, I'm not eating well. That's the tip of the iceberg. Something underneath that is driving that kind of behavior. And so as we change the inside out first, that's what Jesus said, clean the inside of the cup and the outside will take care of itself. Wow. But what we do with the opposite, let's clean the outside of the cup, make it look good, have these external measures of validation. Then I look good, I look healthy, I have the mask on, and it's totally backwards. And, and until we reverse that and let Jesus to deal with the inside, then the outside gets changed. The community becomes stronger. Uh, and, and, and it's kind of like a, it's, it's a snowball effect. Um, we get stronger, our, our community gets stronger. Our community gets stronger, that makes us stronger. We get stronger, our community gets stronger. And it just continuously snowballs into this uh, to finally get to the place where like, you know, I'm 60 years old and this is what life's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Not perfect, I'm disappointed in some areas, but there's enough snowball effect here to m- let me be able to say uh, it's working. Mm-hmm. The, the kingdom of God is Jesus prescribes it is a reality for success in life it is it is the greatest form and fashion of success and a lot of people are looking for success you know we go to to all kinds of seminars and conferences and read self-help books and go to go you know watch watch self-help tv shows uh there there is within the heart of man a hunger to be fruitful to be successful to 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 penetrate their world and do something of value Uh, but if we're looking in the wrong sources uh, then, then we're not going to find true life, mm-hmm. and and in the end, we're, you know, we, we lay on that deathbed, proverbial deathbed that says, you know, I should have, I wish I would have, rather than saying I did, I, you know, I, I, I did this well. Well, Gary, I think you're probably speaking to a lot of people that are listening and watching uh, this mm-hmm. podcast, because it's so. hitting a lot of. I think a lot of people are wondering the very th- same thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thank you for that. Thank you yeah. for the information. And yeah. as always, uh, if you have any questions or want more information. A book that you recommend on this? Do anything comes to mind that you think might help the folks? Are you thinking of uh, one that I wrote? Maybe. Maybe. Or? Yeah, I'm thinking uh, maybe there uh, might be one I, out there. I was going to say, do you want a good book or do you want the one I wrote? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I hope it's good. Yeah, I wrote a book called God's Favor, and and it deals with some of these issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about some new stuff here today, but uh, the the book it would be a good um, next step if if what you're listening to to today is is having some kind of 
sense of uh, the my father called it the wooing of your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel being pulled, the heartstrings being pulled in this direction. Like like God's up to something in my heart. And I want to follow up on that. Then I think God's favor would be. Uh, a good book, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I also mentioned my professor Larry Crabb. His book called Inside Out uh, would also be a good resource, uh, and I would recommend both those books um, if you do if you do get them is to read them real slow. With a, I have it here in front of me a yellow notepad. Mm-hmm. I keep this when I'm when I'm reading my Bible or my or I have a little journal as well, and um, I take these books and I read them really slow uh, because I, I take I, I want I want I want them to dig into my heart, mm-hmm. not just be more information. I almost like wanted it to be a conversation. So, so you know, Gary in chapter two said this, or Larry Crabb in chapter three said this. How does that impact me? And, and make some notes and, and take some time to think about it and dig, dig deeper, get inside the cup, not just the, uh, again, because we're such an external society where if I could just fix the outside of the cup, make it look clean, uh, and the, the harder work is digging inside the cup. Uh, but the, 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 it's harder, but much better. Yeah. The, the good stuff comes deep inside. If you're listening to the podcast, we'll have uh, references to those books on our show notes. And okay. if you're watching, you'll see it here on the screen as well. So, uh, and, yeah. and, Gary, and if this helped you a little bit, I mean, I would encourage people to, to what do you call it, where you send it to a friend? Uh, pass share, it on, yeah. Sharing, sharing. <laughs> our, 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 our team here is saying, uh, yeah, you can share it on social media. I'm talking about social media here today, how bad it is, <laughs> while on so a you. social media platform <laughs> and, uh, and sharing that. So, so there is some good stuff with social media, too. I hope it didn't come across as being, like, all negative because we use it as a tool we here. Yeah. We have a guy in a room with us, Chris, who who uh, does that as a profession and a calling in his life, and does an amazing job. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, at World Challenge, our website, our uh, Twitter, our um, Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook yeah. um, uh, YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah, uh, you know, share these with other people because we we do believe this is this is a ministry, this is a message, and the message we believe has power to transform lives mm-hmm. and. Uh, we'd love some comments too. Maybe some people could write in a comment, whether it be on YouTube or, or uh, through our website to comment and uh, let us know what kind of impact uh, this is having. We'd love to hear us. from you. Yeah, we'd love to hear from yeah. people. Yeah, it'd be great. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. I appreciate being with you again. God bless. You've been listening to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. As God's children, we are given the freedom to pursue His good things in the world, to honor Him with our bodies, and to seek unity in community. God promises that his burden is light and easy, and he longs to bless his children. Part of that, though, is through biblical living that brings wellness. When we're faced with tragedy or hard times, God's promises can suddenly seem distant. Doubt is one of the hardest feelings to wrestle with in our walk. Some people may even try to tell you that doubting is sin. But people in the Bible often wrestle with doubt, and sometimes that doubt led to an even closer relationship with God. Next week, Gary Wilkerson talks about how God can use our struggle with doubt to bring great blessing into our lives. Gary also discusses conquering doubt and cynicism in his new book titled God's Favor. In it, he points out how the Bible reveals a loving father who wants to shower abundant resources upon us. In turn, God wants our lives to show his unearned grace to a hurting and unbelieving world. To see more on this discussion of God's grace and goodness in your life, you can order a copy of God's Favor on the World Challenge website, worldchallenge.org. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, sound design for this episode by Mike Hall-Smith. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. Our producer is Chris Wigington, with video production by Aaron Gale. We hope to see you next time on the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. Until then, do all you can to live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ.